Today's episode features Dominique Kempf, who is currently on the Tootsie Tour with me as a cast member. We dive into her musical theater background, life on tour, and the challenges of being a woman in entertainment. We then talk about finding beauty in both of our supporting roles on tour while still staying motivated. She then breaks down branding yourself as an actor, the audition process, and the differences between all the varying types of roles in a cast. Dominique emphasizes the challenges of being a woman of color in this industry, including grappling with her biracial identity while being pigeonholed into certain roles. We then discuss the importance of owning our space as women and feeling empowered to speak up when we're being mistreated. We end by speaking to the changes we want to see in musical theater, namely having more diverse creative teams, normalizing intimacy coaches, and being open to workshopping shows as a part of the rehearsal process. Happy to have you here. Are you down to say hello and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm glad to be here. My name is Dominique Kempf. I am with the IL on the National Tour of Tootsie, the first one. And I'm an actress, I'm a singer, and I'm a dancer. Are you cool to just kind of walk us through your musical theater origin story and like take us all the way back? Mine was non-traditional. I didn't just jump right into musical theater. I started with dance. I first started with Irish dance, actually. I was really... Hmm competitive with that and I realized wow I really love this I want to do more style so I started um, training at some studios and then I got into school where I did a musical and I was like this is really fun and I never thought anything of it I got really serious about singing um, in like middle school and high school and I actually was like wait I'm good at this too (laughs) and then I you know I my family is very athletic we grew up with sports so I did gymnastics and cheerleading and all these other things and I was like I just really love performing I realized that all of these avenues were just like I want attention (laughs) and I want to perform it was so fun in a good way right like I wasn't seeking out negative attention this was something that I was like wow I feel good about myself I can do this with a team I can do this by myself um so it really just fit my personality and then I realized I could mash all these together. I started doing musical theater in high school more, and I was getting the leads, and I was like, wow, this is great. My One of my teachers and mentors, um, she urged me to go for it in college. And I was like, yeah, let's see what happens. Um, I decided to major in theater. I had a backup major as well. And I was really becoming successful in college. And I was like, I guess I'm staying with this. And then it just kind of became my career. Um, I'm from Buffalo, New York originally. I moved back to Buffalo after college and I was just, just the ball kept rolling and it just kept, the universe kept serving me with what I was supposed to do, mm-hmm. I guess. So that's how I got there. It was, it was kind of an accident. So Love that. How did you get on the Tootsie Tour specifically? Yeah, we all had different experience booking this tour, all the actors at least. Um, some people actually went to an in-person audition Um, Mine was completely virtual, even down to the callback. They had never met me until the first day of rehearsals. So I sent in a video mid-2020, and they called me back literally like a year later. Like I I did another song for them in 2020, so I guess that was like a mini callback. Sent it, never heard anything. Pandemic, blah, blah, blah. They called me back a year later and was like, hey, we still have your songs from before. Can you do this dance in a couple scenes? I was like, eh, why not? 
And originally I was like, should I even do it? Like, why did they take so long to contact me? And I was like, you know what? My friend was like, you should just go for it. You never know. And so I filmed it and that was that. It was completely virtual. Um, Some other actors got to do chemistry reads like live on Zoom with other actors. I never got that. Mine was completely self-taped solo. And now I'm here. That's crazy. It's wild that it can just completely go off your radar for a year mm-hmm. and then it'll just come up out of nowhere. That's kind of what happened to me, but it was only a couple months and it's still like completely. Yours was virtual too. Yeah. Yeah. But I like cold emailed, never heard back. And then months later they were like, Hey, do you still want this? It's always when you're about to move on to something else. I yeah. feel like that things just go your way. And actually it's funny. I was like kind of contemplating. I'm like, my professional theater career is not really taking off lately like it used to. Like, what am I doing? And I was having kind of like a crisis. And then I got that email of like, hey, do you want to? It's like, oh, okay. Um, what did you guys have to do? Did you just have to do a couple songs? Yeah, like the first part was just like cold emailing and like here's a sample of my playing and like a resume. And then a couple months later... Um, the contractor was like, hey, are you still interested? If so, here are, like, the four big numbers in the show. Play it and send it back. Okay. I actually was encouraged to record a little video that was, like, a personality statement, which I then was talking to the guys about, and they said they didn't have to do that. Wait, what? Yeah. What is a personality statement? Literally, in an email, was like, you sound great. Something I noticed, though, was that you weren't, smiling while you were playing which is impossible to do who said that the contractor what yeah you've got to be kidding me no it was crazy um you never told me that oh my god yeah so she was like and it was a female contractor which was what was most shocking and there are so few female contractors out there and she was really nice but that really threw me off where she was like you sound great however maybe if you could like show us a little video of you like smiling and saying like how much you want to tour like it gave me, like, Elle Woods, like, Legally Blonde Harvard admission video vibes. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I'm really shook. Yeah. None of the guys had to do that, obviously. No. What? Yeah. Sometimes I wonder whether I would book this gig or another orchestra gig if they didn't want a female trumpet player. Like, also for their brand, it's, it makes them look good if they hire me. Right, so, totally. But, but then it's, like, a whole conflicting thing of, like, is this tokenism, and can that serve me, and is that really fucked up, and do I deserve to be here? So it's constantly, I think, the minorities in the room that, like, are made to feel conflicted. It's, like, well, not their problem. <laughs> with that personality video, yeah, you were definitely targeted with that. Obviously, you're, you wouldn't have booked it if you weren't good enough. I think it was that plus that you were a woman that, like, made you stand out which it's hard because you're like what what parts of me can I use to enhance my brand or enhance you know my talent to stand out but then you're also like that's the same exact thing I don't want to be pointed out for so it's like a catch-22 yeah Yeah, it really is you have to own both sides I guess for now because for me like obviously all the roles that I've gotten is because I'm a woman yeah. Not gonna play a man's part. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> So I have to own that I'm a woman. It's it's really hard. It's like low key an identity crisis at times. If you really think about it, you can get into like a dark hole. I feel like for actors especially, I feel like what I've dealt with is just like I don't know, just a taste of that. No, I think that you're on the same level. I think that, you know, you do work with all guys every single day. Yeah. 
Like, I have a group of girls where I have backstage where if something happened, I would go to them. You know what I mean? So I think that there's different levels of it, you know? Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's interesting being a woman in entertainment. That's for sure. Yeah. I think it's changed a lot, but I just think that, I, I just can't believe the personality thing, the personality. I'm it's not, crazy, I'm not right? over it. I will be thinking about that for weeks. Yeah. I was so angry. <laughs> I am angry. It's yeah. annoying. Yeah. We have to do stuff like that too. Like we always have to slate our name, where we're from. I did like a funny video on TikTok about like, cause sometimes they want your height, your age, your pronouns, where you're from, where you're like based at this moment, if you're doing a project right now, if you're available for the callback. If, and so I did one that was like, they want your social security number, first <laughs> day of your last period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all of these things. It's like because, a two minute long intro video. Yeah, <laughs> because it's just like so silly, but they want that. That's normal for us, but everybody has to do it. Yeah. Because they want to see your personality. They want to see, obviously get information from you. And they want to just like see how you are off book, off script. Yeah. If everything you do is a character or if you're, if there's an actual person behind it. Because there are some actors who are always on who aren't like really like themselves. Mm -hmm. They're always putting on. So yeah. I think that's a big part of our slate. But even that can be fabricated, right? Because at the end of the day, they're going to think... They, they just cast this, like, amazing cast and everyone's going to be, like, super fun and get along and then you kind of learn that, like, I don't know, shit happens and you learn that 90% of the job is just, like, dealing with people yeah. for better and for worse. Yeah, I think that casting's never going to know who somebody is deep down. You know, I've looked out in my career that every single contract I've ever done, everybody's gotten along. I've never had any, like a bad experience or anything that I'm like, wow, I can never work with this person again. I've never felt that. So I've been very lucky. Yeah. And Kathy, I remember at the very beginning of tour, I think I met her. Yeah. I think in Buffalo and I was just like saying hi, introducing myself. And she's like, yeah, it's a really good group of kids. And she's the oldest in the cast. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, everyone's great. You know, we're actors. We're all just a bunch of people pleasers at the end of the day. Like exactly. we all want attention. We all want to get along. We all want to be like super friendly and exactly. liked. Exactly. Overall, how has your tour experience been? This has been your first tour. Yes. My first tour, it's gone great. I've got to see a lot of parts of the country I've never even thought I would see, which has been really awesome. Because um, when I started this, I was like, I'm from Buffalo, but I don't want to live there forever. My biggest thing was like, let me visit places to see if I could live there. Yeah. So far, I've found a couple, so that's been fun. I've never traveled so much in my life. You know, every week we do travel to another city, and that was a little exhausting at first. I've learned so much about myself on the road, which is nice. I've realized that I'm very adaptable um, to any environment, basically. I've seen other people kind of struggle, like, oh my god, I can't travel every Monday. It's really mentally exhausting, and I've taken that for myself as a challenge, um, a mental challenge, and... I've gotten through it, and I can do this again and again. I don't want to tour for the rest of my life, but I would like to do a couple more, maybe one or two or three more. Yeah, it's really awesome, and you get to meet people on the road. Um, you get to form really strong relationships with the people you do travel with, and um, 
Yeah, I love it so much. I, I've had a really good time this year. That's amazing. And you're coming back next year, most likely. Yes. I have actually signed my contract for next year as my same part, which is Susie understudy Julie, and Julie's the lead. So I'm doing that same thing. And then, again, if the universe pushes me in another direction towards something, you know, big, like if I was to be in New York on Broadway for like Hadestown or Hamilton, right. I'm obviously going that way, but that's, this is my journey right now. Um, so yeah, I'm signed on. Any big like lessons or takeaways from tour? My biggest one is to pack light for <laughs> me because I'm like such a girly girl where I like will have so many shoes, so many clothes, but I also love to shop. So that was the biggest thing. <laughs> um, biggest lesson, I guess, as an actor would be prepare to go on at any moment. I've gone on for Julie five times, I think, this whole tour. And I was pretty prepared. There was a couple things that I didn't get to do, like touching props and stuff that I didn't get to do in my rehearsal. But because I was so prepared, I was able to take those new challenges on right away. I think a lot of understudies truly like are like, oh, I'm not going to go on, like, for another X amount of weeks. It can happen at any moment. Like, it could have happened when we were in Buffalo. It could have happened, you know. Um, so it was really important for me to know the entirety of Julie's track before we left Syracuse, which was our rehearsal space. Right. Um, you just never know, especially with COVID. Like, people, like, Adam got it so randomly. Right. Like and last no one week. else, yeah, no one else had it. So it's like... You just never know so you can never be overly prepared like I felt I feel that way on auditions too like I've gone into an audition where I've like prepared an entire like almost the entire show they didn't ask for that wow but then I get in the room and they're like by chance do you know the song from the second act yep I do I know it because you just never know what's gonna come your way as an actor it's very unpredictable and I'm sure it's only seen as like super impressive like it seems like it's a good thing to be over prepared yeah totally especially scene work whether you're a musical theater actor or just a regular actor scene work is huge like to be memorized you know you get in the room and you're nervous like you don't want to be staring at a paper you want to be looking at the person you're talking to scene work is huge um yeah to be prepared on because everybody does it a different way everybody does that scene differently so memorize and make sure that you're really on it yeah it's like freeing a part of your brain so that you can focus on the chemistry and like making actual like art a thousand percent yeah it's the same thing in music mm -hmm. you don't want to go into an audition still worrying about the notes exactly you want to make music yeah exactly um i'm interested about like playing the understudy role and like me thinking about it as a musician this has been really the first time i've ever not played the first trumpet part on like anything which has been a really interesting experience because I also got into music because I wanted attention and trumpet is loud and commands attention and playing second is not that you're not like sitting on top of the whole orchestra and the loudest person there it's all about supporting and making the first player sound good and it's just a completely different role which was a, an adjustment but I think has been really good for me to also like learn how to do that and like really finding the challenge and the beauty of like playing a more like inner part. It's not the exact same thing as being in an ensemble role or as an understudy, but I do think that there's something 
there. So I guess I'm wondering, like, do you ever get, like, salty that there's someone above you who's playing the lead? And it doesn't really matter who's above you, you could think they're amazing, but I feel like it's hard to not feel a little bit resentful, especially if you're someone who really, like, loves attention and obviously wants to be the lead because it's the lead. It is pretty similar to how you explained for, you know, being the first trumpet. I didn't know that was, like, your first time to not be first trumpet. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky. Yeah. And also just loved it. And I think as a female trumpet player, too, at least being, like, a girl boss, it gave me a lot of, like, power and confidence. Yeah. And I think, like, the age, gender, and power aspect of all of this, or, like, I've always been playing with all the boys because it's always been very male-dominated, but I think not being in charge and dealing with such older men has been a huge challenge. Totally. It's really similar to how you explained it. I, too, have had a lot of lead roles mm-hmm. um, in my resume. I've always played a lead. Sometimes I'll play supporting, but nonetheless a pretty big part. Mm-hmm. I think, right, like, the goal is to always further yourself and to be better and to get better contracts and better offers and better roles. So, obviously, like, playing Julie or playing any part that is the leading lady I'm going to strive for. Mm -hmm. That's silly for me to not want that for myself, to constantly improve. Um, What's the point of being in this business if I can't improve and move up the ladder? I personally do like understudying. I've never understudied. So I'm in a similar boat as you. I've never understudied the lead role. I was either always the supporting or the actual lead. I like it for being on tour because tour is exhausting on your body and your voice. I don't have to sing a million solos every night. So I'm able to preserve my, you know, my vocal health at times because I'm really focusing on blending with the ensemble where I not have to like wail out a huge solo. So like Mm -hmm. there's definitely perks to it not being the lead every single night. And it's nice because then when I am the lead, it's so much more rewarding. Totally. But yeah, like, I think that most understudies originally went for the lead part, right? Like, they were down in the last couple callbacks and it's between four people for that lead role. And some people don't get in the contract at all. Some people are put as understudies swings. And then there's some people, like, that were in the final rounds for Tootsie for, you know, some of the lead characters that aren't even in the show. Mm, So it could always end up that way too, right? I think it's important to appreciate, like, where you are because I could have easily just not booked anything. Right. But, yeah, for me, it's always moving forward. My next contract that I book after Tootsie, for me, my goal is to be the lead character, you know. And, And sometimes, like, that's not people's brand either. Like, we keep bringing back brand, but, like, It's so true. I'm definitely, like, a leading character energy and personality. Whereas somebody that is, like, the comedic relief, like, they're always probably going to be supporting. That's just how stories are told. Right. Um, So for me, that's a very realistic goal. Yeah. Um, I don't really feel resentful towards a person. I do, like, get what you're saying. I don't, like, really feel, like ill will but there is definitely a sense of like oh I want to be there yeah like but it's almost motivating because it's not like this is my last contract and I'm like oh I didn't get it it's over yeah it's something to work towards I like very starkly remember a couple cities ago do not know where anymore 
um, I was hanging out backstage in the um, female dressing room with all the actresses. And I think it was Lucy who was like, oh man, like my dream role would be the understudy and funny girl. That would be like my dream. And you said, why not just book the lead? Like, I love that. And I remember that because it's just like, yeah, like stay hungry, stay motivated. Like, why not shoot for the stars? And like, she's so talented. Like, why shouldn't she want that? Book it. And unfortunately, it's lonely at the top. Yeah. Right? You book the lead of a really amazing Broadway musical or maybe you're originating a lead. Could you imagine originating something like Dear Evan Hansen, which was such a hit, right? Once you get there, you have to take, with success, you have to take like, okay, I can't go out as much. I probably shouldn't drink or do take part in any activities that is going to ruin my vocal or physical health. Um, It's not as fun. I don't think. It's not as glamorous as people think. No, you have to go home and you go to bed. Yeah, I was listening to an interview with Ben Platt, who was the lead in Dear Evan Hansen, and he said it so eloquently, where he was like, it was like the biggest honor of my life, but it was so exhausting, and you're living your entire life and your entire day in service of those three hours every night. Yep. And yeah, he would... Like, there'd be all these, like, celebrities and people who'd want to meet him every night, and, like, nope, he'd go straight to, like, a special, like, secret back door into, like, a town car that'd take him straight back to his apartment. Mm-hmm. And that was his life for, like, two years. Yeah. For some people, you have to really be willing to ask themselves, is that worth it for me? Yeah. Some people think yes, and then they get into that situation, and they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's worth it. I'm also just not that type of person to be, like overindulging in like going out and stuff like that so like for me I want to spend all my time on my craft to further my career but it's lonely at the top in any industry it's lonely so you know you got to take the good with the bad yeah totally shifting gears a little bit I wanted to kind of go back to the idea of like brand and delving into it a little bit more. In every episode, I kind of try to break down a concept, like, in the arts to try to, like, demystify it. So if you're down to kind of, like, go back towards that um, and maybe, like, talk about marketing yourself and the audition process, that'd be awesome. Sure. So I think a lot of people that are non-actors don't really know exactly what we do. A lot of people kind of believe, oh... All of these actors are actors, so they all do the same thing, which isn't really true um, because there's actors in musical theater, and then there's actors in plays and film and TV. There's a whole mix mosh of different performers. So in musical theater, we'll stay with that topic, there's singing, dancing, and acting. Those are three categories that every actor can market themselves as. Obviously, if you're in musical theater, you do all three but you have to label yourself at which one is the best first. For example, singing is my forte out of those three. So I call myself a singer, actor, dancer in levels. Obviously, like the dancers in the show, they would say, I'm a dancer, I'm a dancer, actor, or I'm a dancer, singer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really common, and you should put that on your resume even in that order. Oh, really? Yeah, of what you market yourself as because if – you don't know, how are they going to know for casting? True. Um, also, 
if you're a really incredible dancer and you can kick your face, you're more likely to get a lot of ensemble roles. Unfortunately, like you, you know, in Tootsie, none of the leads really dance. Yeah. It's all the ensemble. And that's pretty common and getting more and more common throughout modern contemporary musical theater where the leads will, as we say, park and bark. Yeah. They just stand and sing and yeah. do some movement, but it's never really like a full on dance number. So it's really important for an actor and their agent to know exactly how they represent themselves. Um, so that's, that's the first part. And then moving into auditions, I'm never going to submit for a dance ensemble part. I just won't because I don't recognize as that. I'm always going to submit, like I was saying, for the leads, um, for the leading ladies and maybe some supporting and some understudying of the leads. Yeah. Um, auditions are really intense <laughs> on our end. Um, more now than ever, there's just been tons and tons of video auditions. Um, there's a lot of in-person, but initial calls and initial interests auditions are done through video submissions, invited video auditions, um, even down to first and second callbacks being on video, Hmm. which I love because it's more accessible. Yeah. You can do it on tour. Exactly. But there is a mindset of perfection. I can do this 10 million times to get it perfect. Why wouldn't I? But it can really bring you into like a deep dark hole of like, oh, I'm on my 15th take of this same song. So it's a little bit of a burnout. Totally. (laughs) It can be. Plus when you're performing every day at night, it's like, do you have the energy every day to like record another self tape? Exactly. I'm actually filming a tape, well, a couple tapes, a couple scenes right after this. I have to do, this is all for one audition. They really want a lot from us in a short amount of time. So I'm going to do my scene work today. I'm going to do my dancing tomorrow and Sunday. I'm going to record all my songs. I need to break it up because it's just too much to do in one day. Yeah. I even asked for an extension. Originally, it was supposed to be due this morning. Hmm. And they told me on Wednesday. Oh, my God. Yeah. So (laughs) it's just like. I hate that. It's so intense. But they know they know my type. Yeah. They they're calling me back for something that I think is worth it. Yeah. It's a singer dancer part. They're they're all really strong actors, but it's the main part is singing. Cool. So I have to go for it. I just hate that like we are expected to turn around a bunch of content and be like so readily available within like 24 48 hours. Meanwhile, these like contractors casting people can take like months to respond and can just ghost you. And I'm like, what is this hierarchical bullshit? I agree. I think it's really silly because also if you want somebody that's consistently working and in the field, I would think you would want somebody that is really diving in and paying attention to their current job. Yeah. We do 8 shows a week. And you want all of this stuff in 24 hours, like, you have to respect that I'm a working girl. Yeah. So. For real. It's just, it's really silly sometimes where, yeah, it's just, it's just dumb the way that they think. I had an audition for Legally Blonde not too long ago, and I know the casting director because I've gotten called back from her before, Mm -hmm. years ago, and it was the same thing, but she literally wanted it that night. Wow. I was like, I'm on tour, ma'am. That's crazy. 
Yeah, they want what they want. And for actors, I don't know about for musicians, you can comment on this, but they've gotten more demanding over the years. So when you were to go to a callback in person, they would want probably a scene and a song. And then if they liked you, they'll keep you and teach keep, teach the dance. Mm-hmm. Now they want everything the first round. They want all the scenes, all of the songs, all of the dances in one round. They're becoming more demanding. And I'm like, there's no guarantee that I'm getting this job. I took an orchestra audition a couple months ago, and it was a 22-minute audition of just playing down stuff back to back to back. Like the hardest things ever written for trumpet, just like in a row. And you know that they were only listening to like a minute of it. The beginning. Yeah, they're like skipping around, and then we're like, nope. It's very, very bizarre. It's almost like they are... It's That's how I act whenever I'm on YouTube or scrolling through Netflix. That is what... Yeah. Casting does. Yeah. They have a Netflix with all these different channels of people, and they're like, eh, it's like when you can't decide what to watch. Yep. That's exactly what they're doing. And I'm sure with a little bit more gumption, but there's no way that they're watching every single second. No. Yeah, it's... zero chance. <laughs> um, could you break down a little bit or explain the difference between a supporting role versus an understudy versus a swing? Yes. So a supporting role in the show is just, you're the role every single night, but you're secondary to the lead. So leads slash principals, they mean the same thing. Then there's supporting or secondary characters. Uh, There's cameos, which is underneath that. They all get like less and less. I'm a cameo, technically. Mm -hmm. Susie and Stuart are cameo characters, just little featured ensemble roles. Yeah. And then there's the ensemble. Uh Uh-huh. So that's kind of like the hierarchy of what the parts are. An understudy is somebody who is in the ensemble in the show every single night, but they understudy one of the supporting or lead characters. If one of the leads or supporting roles were to be sick or to go out, the understudy goes in for them and the swing goes in for the ensemble role. So swings are meant to learn the entirety of the ensemble so that they can go in to any ensemble track at any given moment. A standby is, we don't have standbys on the show, but a standby is somebody who understudies the lead, but is not in the show. Their whole job, they come to the show every night, they have their own dressing room. This happens a lot more in New York. Yeah. Say halfway through the production, the lead gets sick or gets injured, the standby goes in. Their only job is to understudy the lead. How does casting keep in mind who they're trying to kind of hire for these understudy roles and how to, like, place them in the show? Because your part is very different than, like, the dancers in the ensemble. Totally. A lot of contemporary musical theater has something called singer tracks and dancer tracks within the ensemble. So the ensemble is usually anywhere from 8 to... 15 people, 16 people, and basically the singer tracks in the show are just pedestrian movement for the most part, or just light dancing, which is what I do. Yeah. Um, and those are like the lighter tracks, and those people normally always understudy the leads. So Connor, Alec, Nico, and I understudy the four leads in Tootsie, and we're all the mover tracks, singer tracks. 
And the dancer tracks are the people that actually do the heavy dancing in the show. The partnering, the lifts, things like that. And it's more likely that they just are in the dance ensemble. Or they second cover. Whereas Layla, Michael Bingham, Lainey, they all do second covers. So God forbid one of the mover tracks can't go on. Yeah. They will step in as the lead. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that overall makes sense because they don't want to, if you're, if you identify as a singer actor first, why would they throw you in as a dancer as your primary thing? It makes sense that you have like a cameo role where you don't have to do a lot of dancing. You can do some singing and that just like suits you as an actress. And then you're also ready to like get thrown in to yes. that same kind of role just as the lead. Yeah. It's also easier to learn a mover singer track and understudy the lead. I could do the dancer track here. I don't brand myself as that, so I won't. But if I was the dancer track, that would be a lot of material because they dance a lot. Yeah. They're in every dance number doing difficult dance material. Yeah. So it's a lot to learn all that dance material and understudy a big big lead. It's too much. So they're smart with yeah. who is back up and who can handle it and... Yeah, there's thought that goes into it. Yes. I also didn't know what a swing was until maybe four months into this tour, which it's just a wild thing to even, like, conceptualize if you're not in the theater world. Like, I was like, what do you mean that these two people have to know basically every part in the show and be ready to just hop right in? Like, I was explaining it to my brothers who know nothing about the arts, um, and I was trying to give them sports analogies where I was like, yeah, like the, let's say, like, the understudy what you do is you're, like, the second-string quarterback who's, like, this is your position and this is your track and you're, like, ready to go in and sub and, like, kill it. But swings are, like, second-string for, like, 20 different positions and they just have to be ready at any moment. And we have um, one man and one woman, but there's also been some crossover where sometimes Lexi will just do some, like, sword fighting or whatever and, like, Ashen will sing... um, like, a female line in one of the big numbers, and it's just, like, it's crazy. The reason we do that is because we only have two swings. Most shows have four. Oh, really? Okay. Two men and two women. Uh-huh. Because there is a chance that more than two people will be out of the show. Right. That's, that's this happened of, with us yeah, multiple times. And we have to split track, meaning they have to figure out how they can cover all of the parts that are missing that night. And I think a lot of people think swings also understudy the leads they don't they can though there's i just auditioned for hairspray the tour and they wanted me for um dynamite which is a featured role understudy motor mouth and swing jeez meaning i could just do any of those any any night that does exist but the reason lexi or ashton will have to play the opposite gender is because we only have two of them, so they have to make it work. Um, yeah, so they mainly cover the ensemble. What a cool job, though. It sounds super exhilarating to just be able to be that versatile and, like, get thrown in. Even to be an understudy, I think there's something said about doing the eight-show-a-week grind where you're doing the same thing every night, and I think, at least personally, it's taken a little bit of the magic away from performing. I still love performing. I still get goosebumps almost every night at the end. Um, 
but I think there is something really special about working up towards something and then getting your shot and it only being, I don't know, every couple of weeks or months and being like, this is a really special night and I'm not taking this for granted tonight. Yeah, totally. I think sometimes less is more. Yeah. It's just so important to always be thankful for where you are because someone would kill to be where you are. Totally. It's important to remind myself that. And all actors, I have morning affirmations that I read every single day of, you know, my self-worth and just being thankful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shifting a little bit, I did want to talk about kind of the challenges of being in this industry as a woman, um, maybe even especially as a woman of color. And like, if you're down to talk about yeah, the challenges that you faced or that you kind of see across the industry. I mean, being, like, assertive, advocating for yourself in terms of, like, pay, dealing with bullshit for men, all of that. Yeah. (laughs) So there's definitely a lot of challenges. I've experienced the same challenge I've experienced in the acting industry. I've also experienced in my non-acting jobs as well. It's very similar. So whoever's listening and they're a non-actor, maybe they're a musician, maybe they're not in the arts at all. Um, I've experienced the same thing. It's pretty baseline where the people at the top all look alike. Most casting and most entertainment companies, managers and corporate people are white and men. And in our industry, a lot of times they're white gay men. Mm. Um, so sometimes it's hard when you don't have somebody on the other end of the table that is connecting with you because they just don't look like you or they haven't been there. I think there's a different, there's a different, um, mentality going into audition for a show or a company where everybody looks different and there's maybe different views at that table. So it makes you think, wow. I actually feel good here because I think that there's a checks and balances system on your guys' end. Um, I really love when I see that, but I really don't see it a lot. That's why one day I would really love to get into casting. Yeah. The challenge is for me is showing them that I can do more than sing. I really am a great actress and I can connect and I think a lot of them are like, oh, just take me to church, sing a song. And I'm like, all right, I can play, you know, Kathy in the last five years. She's, like, always played by a white woman, and I never know why. Um, Kathy has, like, a huge, like, identity crisis, which I'm black and I'm white. That's something me and my sister talk about all the time. Like, growing up, for our white friends, we were like, you know, oh, you're so black. Or if you're your black friends, you'd be like, oh, girl, you're so white. Like, yeah. so we always would talk about that. And, like, bond over that over because my sister's, like, the same mix as me. Mm-hmm. And that's something I experience in theater a lot is, like, and I'm Spanish, too. So, like, I go in for West Side Story and they're like, oh, you don't even, like, look all the way Latina. And I'm like, what is all the way? We're all mutts, right. first of all. <laughs> so that's a big, it's a big identity thing is I, I just don't feel like people understand, like, exactly, like, who I am. And what, what characters I can be right for. And I feel like a lot of my resume is based off of what I look like, right? What we look like is our brand, fine. But a big part of it is being pigeonholed. I just, when I did Legally Blonde, I auditioned for Vivian. 
because mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm just like a strong bitch and she's just like sassy and yeah. like great she's, character. She's mean. Yeah. I feel like I just fit right into that role. But they were like, no, thanks. But whenever I audition for Legally Blonde, they always want me for Pilar, the one black girl in their sorority. I'm like, wow. All right. So that's a big challenge. Body image. Being a woman of color is a challenge because they either want, and I shouldn't speak for all. When I say they, or when I say casting, like, I don't want to pigeonhole casting because everybody's different too. But in my experience, I felt like I was going up against either they want, you know, the black woman that is like my auntie, who is just like that type and commands a room and she's just thick and beautiful. Or the black girl that's, like, all muscle. Hmm. And I'm not either of those. I'm, like, in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) So body image, too. I feel like they have a hard time placing me and, like, putting me next to guys. Because they're like, okay, what is aesthetically pleasing? That's been another challenge. Pay. I have caught them slipping up before. Really? I have caught a theater that I worked for. A while ago, I realized that my male counterpart, we were both leads, the same amount, the whole show was literally about us, and he was getting paid more than me. Not by much, but he was. And I had worked at the theater longer than him for more shows. Wow. I won't be working there again. Yeah. Just definitely wanted to also give you a shout out, because you've been super inspiring to me personally about just, like, being on this journey, going from a people pleaser to a fault to kind of like learning how to advocate for myself navigating spaces with all men and not tolerating being mistreated and oh yeah yeah like reporting stuff when things happen calling things out when they happen all of it we must we must because if we don't do it who is going to unfortunately like being the pioneer of something like if something happened and saying something or Standing up for yourself, it's a little uncomfy, but with great reward, I think. Whether yeah. it's your own, you know, standing up for your presence or allowing, saying something to change a policy. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that a lot. It's just owning your space as a woman. I think it's, yeah, I think it's hard. And I think too, like, we are both the same in this where we, if we own our space and we're owning our words that we're saying that's like so intimidating especially for dudes which I'm like why I'm doing exactly what you're doing yep why is it scary for you and there are times like where I'll slip up and I'll be like should I back up should I pick my battles sometimes it's important to pick your battles but like I never need to apologize for expanding myself but I do have moments where I like catch myself like oh girl Go back to the empowerment. Don't don't shrink yourself. Yeah, take up that space. Yes. And support other women as well. I think that's what I was missing in the pit when I was like, oh, like, maybe there's some weird stuff going on. Like, I don't know what to do. And I have friends in the pit, and they're lovely, um, but they're all dudes. And I think um, becoming friends with some of the girls in the cast has been really great to just, like, have wiser and um, more assertive female voices to kind of just encourage me to be like, no, like, you need to stand up for yourself and, like, 
deal with these men and not be like forced into a corner, which I think has been really good to be around. Yeah, I agree. I think that's important in life too, just having a group of strong females that, you know, share your values to encourage each other, which is funny because in the beginning of the conversation, we're like, we get treated unfairly sometimes is because we're women, but at the same time, we just have to own it. And like, yeah. Yes, you have to double down on your on who you are because they will test you. Yeah, for sure. They will test you, but I want to I want to tell more stories that is not about what I look like. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to do a story that it's just about something other than like race. Like I want to be a character that's not doesn't matter what her description is like on paper you would have no idea right like julie could be white or black or anything right like there's nothing that really defines her yeah technically i think they did write the song for a black woman voice all of her songs are very like soulful yeah i think they did that on purpose because i think they knew they were writing for lily cooper who is the original Mm. i definitely do think any anybody could do julie do i think they'll cast it that way no Hmm. i think that julie and now that we have jeff as a black guy i think it's interesting that those are the only two leads that are people of color because they're the most realistic yeah which i don't know if that was on purpose just to have those two but they're most right sandy's a caricature yeah yeah like they want sandy to be like a ditzy white girl yeah I could see, like, an Asian girl playing that part. Or, like, a Puerto Rican girl. Yeah. I mean, Nico is Cuban. Mm. And she understudies the role. But, um, and Lucy's Jewish. Like, you can do anything, really. But I just found it interesting that the original casting was Julia's a black woman, Jeff is a black man. Neither of them interact with each other the entire show. They're right. different plots. But they're the two most realistic characters that people relate to. Uh-huh. So, that is interesting. I guess that kind of leads me and blends into my last question of just, like, where do you think the future of Broadway is kind of heading? How do we get more diverse and equitable, like, casts, pits, crews, creatives? I think that, especially in 2020 coming to now, there's been a lot of chatter about how we can be better, and I haven't seen a ton, ton of that. For example, like, my biggest gripe with Tootsie is we're doing a show about a topic that can be kind of heated. Yeah. Yet nobody on the creative team is a woman. I think no matter what the show is, there needs to be a table of people that anybody can relate to. Yeah. I think it does start with, yeah, the creatives and like management kind of having that commitment. And also I'm just going to preach it over and over again that like, we just need new material that better reflect the people of today and the stories of today because, like, there are so many revivals on Broadway and Tootsie is one of them. And these are all, like, movies from the 80s, 90s, 2000s and I understand, like, producers or whoever decides to put on these shows are like, oh, like, the nostalgia factor, it'll get people in and maybe they're right, but, like, Mm -hmm. is it groundbreaking, revolutionary theater? Like, there are so many new stories and things to just be told like all of my most of my favorite musicals that I think just completely have been like revolutionary are not like adaptations yeah I definitely I love Tootsie I think that 
it's really freaking funny. And it is funny. It's something that people can just go to and laugh and have a good time and then go home. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think every piece of theater or musical theater or even film is meant for me at least to have to challenge me. I'm so glad when it does. But I definitely think there's a bunch of avenues for different tastes. This one doesn't like keep me up all night thinking, you know, like as like Black Mirror would or mm. something that really d- dives me yeah. in. So I do think there's space for it, but I agree there needs to be more original work. I would personally love moving forward to have intimacy coaches being a must, no matter what yeah. show you're doing, because there's always a kiss in every show. There's always physical touching in every show because people have had experiences that they're just not comfortable with, you know, even like dance partnering. I've had some friends outside, like friends that I've known from for years and years that have done some dance partnering and been like, that made me feel so uncomfortable. Wow. So just having an intimacy coach for any physical touch, um, I would like to see moving forward. And yeah, and just... If something is going to be turned from a movie to a musical or a TV to a musical, to give it a lot of marinating time. That's one thing I liked about this process is they were willing to change things. I agree. They were willing to change lines and parts of songs even, which I think is really great. A lot of shows don't do that. They don't, they said, oh, this is the material, deal with it. I want more workshopping like Tootsie did. Because... They're like, hey, if something sounds messed up or doesn't rub you the right way, tell us because we're willing to change it. I've never had a team be so open about it. Yeah, it was cool having a friend who had seen the show on Broadway and didn't love it. And then they saw um, the tour and they thought it was so much better. Yeah. They're like, oh, like certain lines were like kind of like fixed or altered certain jokes that didn't land were, like, changed. And that even happened throughout the tour, where it's, like, something didn't land, and they're like, okay, let's change it to make it funnier and, like, test yeah. it with the audiences. Transparency goes a long, long way when you're actors and you're artists. Because just because we're actors or musicians doesn't mean that we don't have good ideas and that we can't contribute to further the project. And whenever it's, like, open and honest communication, I'm here for that. More of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been so great. And yeah, good luck with your audition and everything. Oh boy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And I hope as we get further in our careers, we can just own this shit as women. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs>